Welcome to the Rise Up Podcast, the podcast all about empowering women's careers, hosted by me, Susan Dwyer. Each week, I share insights with you from women with different backgrounds, experiences, and learnings. We discuss career-defining moments that led them to where they are today, giving you a unique insight into what actually goes on behind the scenes. Get ready for some candid conversations about leadership, entrepreneurship, failure, confidence, and more. This week, I'm so excited to bring you my conversation with Leanne Cavanagh. Leanne is the Chief Commercial Officer at Iconic Offices. And in this episode, we talk about facing adversity in your career and how to overcome career setbacks. We also talk about good and bad leadership and what this can look like, as well as how to find your own identity in the workplace and why it's so important to bring your whole self to work. This was a really insightful episode and I hope you enjoy Leanne, welcome to the Rise Up Podcast. Thank you, Susan. I was about to say thank you for being here, but to give listeners, um, I suppose to paint a bit of a picture for listeners, we are in the beautiful um, Greenway space, iconic offices on Stevens Green, and what I can describe as a gorgeous private cinema room. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for having us in your space today. You're more than welcome. <laughs> so... I'd like to start with taking, would you take us back a little bit? Um, I'd love to learn a bit more about Leanne and your earlier years and influences. And I guess the things or the people who have shaped the person that you are today. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll start with, I'm a very driven, motivated, self-motivated individual. um, And it definitely comes from uh, you know, stems from that early childhood piece. My background is I was born in Dublin. Um, I grew up in southeast London, my okay. mum and dad, and moved back in my teens to Dublin. Um, my my mother comes from she's a white white Irish, mm-hmm. and she is working class from a working class background. My father is from Sierra Leone and comes from a middle class background. Um, I suppose they both came with um, complementary values when they were raising myself and my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, for instance, like his upbringing would have been very much so, um, you know, you, you need to do your third level. You need to, you know, be have letters at the end of your name. Very, you know, that kind of institutionalized education piece. Um, my mother, um, you know, would have focused in on us self-reflecting. So, you know, we were kind of raised to evaluate everything around us. So if something was good in our lives, if we had a good experience, why? What did we do? Could we repeat it? Could we replicate it? Or something went bad? Why? Is it something maybe that we could um, strive to change in the future or whatever it might be? With my dad's upbringing, he, um, because of that institutionalized approach to education and stuff, he um, kind of broke the barrier a bit. Um, there was an expectation that he would be a certain something and decided to go down a creative route and be a very talented musician. Oh, wow. So, you know, from a very young age, we were kind of told, look, you can be whatever you want to be, mm-hmm. do whatever you want to do. But, you know, if you, if it's not college, if it's not third third level, you got to get a job. Okay. If it's third level, great. Do whatever makes you happy, you know? So you always felt like... 
you had a choice. You didn't have to go to college. It was no. very much around follow what you're interested in. Yeah, there was a passion piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, finding that passion and then also understanding what, you know, um, impacts you can have or things that you can change or improve on from that self-evaluation piece okay. that was really, really strong in our upbringing. And so did you know, like, when you were younger, what you were passionate about or did you have a dream for your career? Did you know what you wanted to be when you were older? Not, not really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I think we all wanted to be a pop star of some yeah. stage, or you know, just something, you know, very <laughs> standard like that. Yeah. Um, no, not really. I think you know. I mentioned you know, I where I grew up. I grew up in um, the early part of my life in South East London, which was a very um, diverse community. Mm. Um, and then you what know, what brought you to London? Was that when your parents work? Yeah, so my dad, my dad basically grew up in London, oh, okay. and so we moved over there. So, um, you know, in Southeast London, very diverse cultures, um, very felt very much at home there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my teens, then we moved to Dublin, and I'm going to show my age here now, but like, you know, that was like 20 years ago when we yeah. moved, or over 20 years ago, I'm losing count of my age. <laughs> um, and, you know, to a, a very different culture then, Um and not as diverse not as diverse certainly not as much even as it is now Mm -hmm. um much less so and I think rather than it being what did I want to be you know I came back here to the you know to a place that I was born but I didn't feel like I I belonged did you not no I looked very different I sounded very different like I had a London accent like I you know and you know I've I've, you know a mixed race and I didn't I didn't feel like I fit in and I think there was a lot of um motivation initially which I could have probably turned into a negative energy but I kind of felt like I needed to prove myself and show people that I could have a stamp mm-hmm. on, you know, the society I live yeah. in. Um, and rather than me pick, this is what I want to be, it was more, right, I'm going to do something that I enjoy because that was one of the things that we were raised to, Paul, you know. Paul, you're a kid, yeah. Yeah, um, but whatever I do, I want to make an impact. So I kind of channeled an energy that I could have taken as a, whoa, you know, woe is me mm-hmm. attitude. I kind of channeled that into something that was, it kind of turned me into that driven, motivated, self-starter person that I am now. Mm-hmm. Do I think that way that I need to prove myself and put a stamp on things? No, but I think at that early stage, I've kind of just evolved into that's just me and who I am. And isn't it so great like to use something like that to fuel you, to, you know, to motivate you to do everything that you've done in your career? Yeah. So do you think like, is there anything else that you, any skills or attributes that you picked up when you from when you were younger that has helped you progress in your career? Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of resi- resilience, especially mm-hmm. as I mentioned, like, you know, I moved from somewhere that I was used to, um, you know, in London and, and yeah. then, you know, just moving, sometimes even moving home as, as a kid or a teenager is a big deal, but yeah. moving country was a big thing. So I, I learned to build a resilience and then just experiences around you know mm. that being different and you know having to kind of feel like I needed to prove something you know yeah. so resilience was a big piece and it definitely has stood to me today and is there anything else um you know that feeling when you were younger of not fitting in or feeling like you were different how did you manage that as a kid and as you as you evolved and as you grew 
How did I manage it? It's a good question. Um, I think I just had to take it nearly factually, uh, you know, and take the emotion out of it. And I think that's probably why I channeled it in the manner that I channeled it as opposed to it becoming something that was more emotionally attached to emotions. Mm -hmm. So would you call that compartmentalizing? Maybe. Mm. Or like you said, kind of using it in a positive way as yeah. opposed to. Yeah. Um, and so to give people a, a kind of high level overview of your career, you started in retail. Yeah. Then fashion, kind of yeah, pivoted yeah. to hospitality. Yeah. And now you're chief commercial officer of Iconic Offices. So yeah. very much in the co-working shared office space and, and industry. Um how intentional have you been with each move in your career? Like, has there always been kind of a bigger picture goal in mind? Or how did you figure out, like, which, op- how have you figured out which opportunities to go after in your career? Yeah, so uh, you've got to start somewhere. Mm. And at the time, I was really interested in fashion. I think naturally I was working when I was in school and, and in college. I was part time in a shop and I like clothes and kind of got into that. And my mom had friends that were in that field, but from say head office level in fashion, there was kind of inspirations of seeing what they did and asking them what they did. And um, we growing up in London as well. There was a bit of that. Like my mom had a, had a fashion background. So we kind of, it was kind of always around me. Um, So I, I got in to fashion on the back of that. Now through school, I guess, you know, you've got career guidance and you know, you're figuring out, you, know, yeah. you do uh, work experience and all those kind of things. I started to realize that I quite like the marketing side or the commercial side. Okay. So I studied retail marketing in DIT. Again, I'm going to show my age. Pretty sure they don't call it DIT anymore. I think it's... Oh, te- yeah, what's te- that? Dublin Tech. De- yeah, de- yeah. Uh, technology. I yeah, I, I'm not sure, but <laughs> DIT at the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it wasn't so much that I was looking for a... a degree as such I wanted to experience going to college and wherever that took me it took me you know mm. um so I I got a, certi- a certification in in retail marketing deferred my um my degree in marketing because I felt like I just wanted to get in and Start work working. and you know yeah. get get my hands dirty mm. as much as much as obviously it's very it's very good to get a degree I kind of just it wasn't I wasn't really feeling doing that at the mm. time. And so I was like, right, I'm just going to go and get my my work experience and start building my way through that, um, which I, I did. And I did, I did that for a few years. Um, and then I had an opportunity to get into the hospitality world. Um, I, I think I started to get tired, of, you know, working in the fashion industry and in, in the role that I was doing. I think I was just tired. Mm. Um, and I had this opportunity in hospitality. There was a lot of transferable skills. It was it was marketing in, mm-hmm. in the hospitality industry. Um, so I knew that I could do it. Um, social media was this up and coming thing. And at the age I was, I was very in tune with that. So mm-hmm. I was able to lean on that self-knowledge of social media. There wasn't courses on social media back then. Yeah. It was it was just your fundamentals of marketing and then whatever you knew about whatever mm-hmm. platforms there were. And I and I almost self-taught myself within that industry. And I did that for a very, very long time. It was really good, good fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 we opened bars and nightclubs and restaurants and it was, you know, in your 20s, very social. Mm-hmm. It was a very social role. 
And then I got tired again. <laughs> I keep getting tired. But I think... But in that industry, like it is full on. It is. I mean, it's it great when on. you're in your 20s. And yeah. as you said, you're living it, you're working it, you're living yeah. it again, you're working it again. And, you know, it, I learned a lot. I really did learn a lot um, from it. But it got to the point I was coming up to my, my late 20s and... I felt like I just wanted to change. And I think it keeps going back to that passion piece that I mentioned about like what my dad and my mom kind of raised us to be, you know, you do what you enjoy and do what you love. And I think the minute you stop or start to question, am I actually enjoying what I'm doing here? It's maybe time to reevaluate. And I think that's what happened with my industry changes. Mm. But what remained kind of consistent was that I... I knew that I had that sales and marketing, the commercial acumen to to kind of transfer that into almost any industry. And then um, the opportunity arose to to, to join Iconic. And, and when you say an opportunity arose, like, did you see the opportunity and go after it? Or were you, how did you seize the opportunity? Or were you headhunted? Or how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was looking for a change. I had contacted a recruiter. Um, I and and again I mean it's one of these things I was so tired I was looking I was kind of going down this path that everyone was telling me that path doesn't really suit you I wanted to do something that was a lot quieter yeah than what I was you were kind of burnt out yeah I was uh, yeah I was physically exhausted brain mentally exhausted and Mm. I I was looking for something that was a lot quieter and a lot more I'd call simplistic Mm. and iconic at the time we're looking for a, a particular role that um I suppose in the flex office world, particularly in Ireland, it's still quite small. So Mm. looking for the exact term that might be widely understood, you know, across the waters to say you're looking for a community manager or building manager or anything like that. It's a bit, well, what is that in in, in the Irish market? So they had put this ad up um, and I can't remember, I was either tied to the recruiter or I might have applied for the role and then the recruiter jumped in and as the recruiter is talking I'm thinking wow that brand is definitely like me they don't wear suits Mm because I was like I'm gonna I'll I'll, I'll go to a place where I'll wear a suit because in the hospitality industry you weren't wearing suits and in retail it was very you know forward thinking you know you didn't have to wear suits but in my head I was like no it's a suit role I'm going for (laughs) and I thought that this role was you know Mm -hmm. um and it, it turned out not to be. And it turned out that, you know, the, the team was it was only two years old at the time. Um, and uh, we, I, I, I suppose I started at uh, that startup stage of the, of the business. Mm. So I found myself falling back into um, the idea creation and, you know, the, the, that process project piece where you're creating new yeah which you obviously like like yeah yeah yeah, it it really is and it's something that makes me tick which Mm. when I was tired I thought I didn't want that anymore but it turns out that it's just something that I naturally need to but it's a good I think that's a good lesson like when you are close to burnout or mid burnout sometimes you can make or want to make decisions that may not be like authentically the right decision for you but yeah. because you're so fed up or whatever it is um which is why again I think the more work we do to prevent burnout obviously the the better but tell me so you're in a really commercially focused role and I know you mentioned sales and you mentioned marketing what do you think makes a successful salesperson or 
to be in a role like you're in? Like what, what are the skills needed or what do you think? Ultimately, and I know I keep saying this, but you've got to be resilient. Mm. Like particularly in a role, like in a commercial role or a sales role, it's very data driven. It's very like, you know, you got a target and you, you got to meet it. If you don't mm. meet it, you don't get your target. Right. Mm. So, and it's unrealistic to say, I'm going to smash every single target. It's, it's yeah. sometimes it can be impossible mm-hmm. for reasons outside of your control. So you've got to be able to kind of take it on the chin. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, you know, while I say I'm quite resilient, I have had moments where I might go to the court and have a bit of a cry and go, oh, God, but you, you pull yourself back and mm-hmm. you, you go again, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think the resilience piece is key. And I think you've got to enjoy it. You really have to enjoy. There's no point in getting into a sales or a commercial position. and not It's very really hard to sell wanting. something that you just don't believe in. No, no. There's and definitely... you can tell when a salesperson's on the phone to you and they're selling something that they just don't want to sell. Yeah, yeah. You've got to put passion behind it. It's yeah. so transparent if you don't. So, mm. I mean, there's certainly things that I couldn't sell wouldn't sell yeah and it's as simple as that and I know that my team members wouldn't or couldn't sell certain things because they wouldn't have the passion and I think that just emphasizes the importance of finding the right company yeah because if you're in a sales role or a commercial role and you're someone might say oh sales isn't for me but if you're passionate about what you're actually selling like and everything is sales at the end of the day right like if I'm on a date I'm selling myself like it all comes back to how do we make a good impression? Yeah, it's a belief thing. So, yeah. so, so being passionate and believing. So mm. believing that, you know, office space is something that businesses require. If you don't mm. believe it, then you can never sell it. You can never promote it. Mm. If you're out on a date, if you don't believe in yourself, then how can you, mm. how can you be authentic enough to speak the best, put your best foot forward and, and, and exactly. talk about the good things about you? You know what I mean? And what I've learned about, the world of sales and people will do business with people that they like yeah so if you're like being yourself and building a relationship with someone they'll want to work with you yeah yeah and so the more of that you can do the more successful you'll be I feel yeah it can't be scripted you just can't script it yeah you've got to you've got to be your your own authentic self yeah yeah so tell me there's a lot the market is strange right now. There's a lot of redundancies happening. There's a lot of women in our network who are facing a lot of adversity and a lot of change. Um, how do you, what's your mindset around dealing with, because we all have career setbacks at different, you talk about burnout there. Um, th- there's all different kinds of setbacks that you can have, but and I know you went through a pretty rough period with the pandemic and the industry that you're in, et cetera. But do you have any advice for anyone around dealing with these career setbacks or what's your mindset around yeah. that? Look, we're all human. Mm. We're all human. And, you know, to say don't panic and, you know, st- st- keep calm is just it somewhat is realistic have that Mm. moment have the moment it's a bit like what I talked about there about sometimes you don't hit your targets and sometimes you have that moment where you have to you know pull yourself aside and just have that that kind of you know um wobbly moment but don't do it for too long Mm. have it have it and then stop step back step out of the space you're in Mm. and just think breathe and think you know I do it all the time. If I'm if I'm under pressure or something's gone wrong, 
I have to force myself to stop and breathe, take a few deep breaths yeah. and put some facts around it. And then I go back to when I was younger, you know, trying to move away from the emotion and take the facts. And, you know, I think not that's, taking it personally, essentially. I th- yeah. I, for me, that's certainly I mean, mm. everybody is different, but certainly for me, that's what I strive to do. Do I mm. do it perfectly? No. Do I have my cries? Yes. But I think that's us as human beings. Yeah. Just don't stay in it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's really good advice. I think sometimes when we're in it, when we're in the stressful moment, it's very hard to see a way out or even the bigger picture mm-hmm. because you're so involved in it. But I think that's that's the importance of like taking a step back from your career now and again to be like, okay, what's happening? Like, is this actually... I remember once uh, I used to work in recruitment and... I had a freak out moment, something bad happened or whatever. I hit a speed bump and I was like upset. I remember talking to my manager and I was just like, oh my God, like, what have I done? This is disastrous. And she was like, Susan, you're not a heart surgeon. Like nobody has died. So just like it's, it's, I know you think this is a massive deal, but it's actually not. And that's kind of stuck with me forever. Anytime Mm -hmm. I get super stressed, I'm like, okay, nobody's dying. Like, it's all going to be fine. There is a solution to this. So I think it's just having that perspective. Definitely. And, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you you engaged your boss and, mm. you know, someone else put the perspective. That's okay too. I mean, I have a very small group of friends mm-hmm. um, and I've got even, an even smaller group of them would be my cheerleaders. And sometimes I just, you need to have them too. So you need someone to kind of give you that, that reality check and kind of snap you out of it so sometimes you know doing it yourself Mm. doesn't always work sometimes you're too deep and you need somebody to literally snap you out of it so having a cheerleader whether it's your boss or your friend is really really key and we were talking about this before but that's why I think it's so important to have this concept of your own personal board of advisors like a colleague but also a friend who's completely outside your industry and you know then a mentor or having all these people that you can rely on for different things yeah because your boss is going to be good for some things but they're not going to be good for other things yeah yeah exactly so yeah picking the right cheerleader is 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 key so you have a key leadership role in iconic offices um i'd imagine you've worked with all different kinds of leaders in hospitality and retail and in the area you're in now what have you learned about good and bad leadership and what is your own personal philosophy around leadership yeah um i've had some very good managers mm-hmm. you all know who you are if you're listening <laughs> um and i've had some not so good yeah um I can't say I'm an absolute expert, but I I certainly would say um, the way I lead is born from my experiences in all the years of being led. Mm -hmm. And I always keep in mind um, how I felt, whether it be good or bad, based on whatever way I was being led. Mm -hmm. For me... Um, good leadership is there's a transparency and trust is fundamental Mm. like I don't believe that you you can't lead a group or a team of people without being fully transparent with them and telling giving them the whys 
why am I asking you to do that? So not just delegating and say, hey, I need you to do X, Y, Z. Telling them why you need to do it and giving them the, the, I suppose, the background. If you don't, I think you're going to struggle get, getting the buy-in, getting them driven, getting them motivated. So mm-hmm. I think transparency and honesty is key. Um, and it, it, it creates trust. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and, and it, it's a two-way thing. So, you know, I, I'm very honest and open with my team and, and my peers and I expect them to be the same with me. I don't have all the answers and I think it's really important to um, to acknowledge that when you're a leader as well, that just because you are the leader and just because you might have that certain title that, you know, when you're looking at a, a, a hierarchy that, that that's, you know, the way you, you should have all the answers because of yeah. that. And um, I think... You know, I always say to the team, I'm actually a resource for you as opposed to you being someone I can just pass work off. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm actually a resource so for you. you lean into that vulnerability piece? You yeah, know? yeah. Look, I don't have the answers. Mm. I get things wrong or I don't know how to do something. And mm. I'll say, look, guys, I don't know how to do this. Does anyone in the room? Mm. And, you know, and maybe they don't, but we'll figure it out together, you know. And I think, you know, expressing that humility and, and vulnerability is, is key too. Mm. You know, your title doesn't mean that you, you know, are, are godly enough to know everything. And I've worked with lots of different people with the word chief attached to their title. And just because you have a chief title doesn't mean that the trust or respect or influence is there. Mm. You know, often, like you said, when the trust is there, then the respect is followed. And it, as you said, it's a two way street. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's uh it is only a title at the end of the day. We're all still a team. The book stops with me. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm responsible. Mm. Um, and the only way I can lead is, is to, to be on the team with them. Mm. And that's how you get the best out of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So talk to us about carving out, because lots of the women in our network different work for different types of organizations. Some will work for startups. Others will work for multinationals, whereby there could be 20 people with the exact same job title as them. And I think sometimes we can struggle with carving out our own identity within a company. Like sometimes we hide behind the company brand and we get a little bit lost. Mm. And that's when that's when we can when we can hit problems. So how how have you managed to kind of carve out your own identity or your personal brand or become more visible is there any is there anything that's worked for you or any tips that you have for other people looking to do the same thing it's going to sound really cliche but really i think just be yourself Mm. don't try to be something that you're not yeah come with what you're what come with your experience come with what you know and just do that and and have the vulnerability if you don't know to to say, it. To, to say it but mm. be yourself mm. bring your personality outside of work in now obviously there's a layer of, pers- of professionalism it depends of on course. you know but I, I definitely think authenticity is, is key there's you're wasting your time if you're trying to focus on on that as well as maybe upskilling or trying to you know find that career path mm. you know just be yourself and focus on those other things focus on your your skill set gaps mm. and you know and do you think because we talk a lot about this whole concept of you know, bringing your whole self to work mm. and not hiding parts of yourself, like we said earlier, to, to fit in. Because often women are working in more male-dominated industries, mixed-race women, again, like you're you're part of a minority. So sometimes mm. when you're in these minorities, you feel like you have to 
well, certainly I have in my own experience, sometimes I've like hidden my femininity because all the other leaders were male. And so you, mm. you, you kind of start cop- copying what you see around you. Have you ever, ever struggled with bringing your whole self to work? Or have you always been comfortable with that kind of authenticity, owning who you are in the workplace? Yeah, I, 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 I certainly have been comfortable with bringing my whole self. Yeah. Um, again, it, it goes back to, you know, you just be yourself and you know we are all human um you know I'm a mother of a four-year-old and you know sometimes before work before nine o'clock starts I've I've sometimes felt like I've done a whole day already getting them out of bed getting them ready getting them into the crash Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing um do I need to you know bring in the fact that she's I'm exhausted you know I've I've had to do this and that you know and um you know hours before the work day no but do can I admit that I had a bit of a tough morning yeah yeah do mm-hmm. I want to you know put that energy on everybody no I think mm-hmm. it's important to bring your whole self yes but I think you need to be self-aware and this brings it back to you know how my mom would have raised is that self-awareness self-evaluation yeah. so if I've had a hectic morning or you know um in, in other people's cases, they might not be coming from a a, a very happy household or mm. someone might be ill and, you know, they're mm. dealing with that. And I'm not saying you can't bring that in. I think that you need to be able to be so self-aware that, you know, whatever energies that we bring to work are going to be passed on, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, we're all human and, and life happens outside of work. Mm. And I think it would be unrealistic and unfair for us to say, don't bring your world to work. But yeah. I think we need to be self-aware of what energy am I bringing to work and how is that going to affect other people? Especially as a leader, when yeah. you're leading a team of people. Because I think when I think about any of the good leaders that I've been lucky enough to work with, they've all been that, se- they've all had that self-awareness piece, which mm. I think is key. Then I think it's about, kind of like what you said, it's about a balance because in order for people to feel like they belong in the workplace or that they can be comfortable or they can they they can admit if they're having a tough time. Mm. You know, they want to feel safe you want to feel safe enough to admit to your manager, oh look, I like I'm having a really hard time at the moment. I need your support on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And and that goes back to that transparency piece and the honesty yeah. piece. Like I say to the team all the time, look, you know, you're gonna have days where you're just not in the mood, something's you know, you know mm. but just say it. At least everybody kind of knows where where we're at here. Or yeah. you know, you might be sad you about something. Some and, yeah. And everyone understands. So, you know, I think that's key. Mm. You know, and I and I also think that, you know, particularly coming out of the the last two years that we probably never want to speak about again what one of the things that we learned from that was that we're all actually human yeah. you know and and that work-life balance kind of got blurred during that time mm. but I think that almost encourages people now to bring their whole self in and be authentic and be a bit more real yeah you know 100%. and I also on the human on the human piece I think a mistake that I've made in my career one of the mistakes I used to kind of put people in senior positions on this pedestal and so I'd almost be afraid to approach them or you know I wouldn't be myself around them because I would see them as these like powerful people but if you bring it back to like they're just a human being like 100 the exact same yeah and you know the more you can do that I feel like the more you'll be able to just show up as yourself I was exactly like you 
Yeah. I really was. And it's only now, it's actually only now since being even appointed in this role mm. that I'm like, oh, you're still a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't turn into an alien when there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, 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 there is, I suppose, there's a, and that's something I'm very aware of. And I think it's because I used to think that way mm. that I, I try to be as, I try not to be as in, as intimidating as, mm. as as the title can sometimes bring. Yeah. Because um, on the flip side, it can be very lonely. Yeah. At the top room when you're in senior positions and your colleagues turn into your 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 team members then so it changes the dynamic, which is tough yeah. for for women for people in senior positions, but particularly women sometimes I feel like it can be yeah, it can be quite lonely. Definitely. Um, you know, I sometimes have to remind my team sometimes because I think the title, even though they, even though I am the way I am and they know that there's an open door and they know, I, yeah. you know I'm a resource to them. And I think sometimes they still go, oh, but you've got that chief thing. So mm. I'm not going to disturb if you're busy. And I'm yeah, like, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, I am a resource to you. So yeah, sometimes I'm busy, but like, I'll always come back to you. You know, I'll come back to you. Yeah. So, you know, I think that we need to make sure that when you're, at a level of leadership that you close that gap in and keep it human. And you're approachable. Yeah, that's really key. Yeah, And I like the way you flip that around. I'm a resource to you. That's good. Yeah. Well, I am. I am, you know, and like I don't have every answer, but as a senior person in in the company... I most likely have questions that can be answered at a higher mm. level that they wouldn't be able to get anywhere else, mm. you know? And I just made reference to it there, but this whole loneliness piece um, is like prime and there's a whole loneliness epidemic and I think hybrid work is amazing. But I think one of the downfalls is there's this like lack of community in the world, not just in the workplace, where people are feeling isolated and I'm a huge advocate for the power of community and what it can do for people. Um, and I know at Iconic Offices, community is is at the heart of everything you do. So what, why do you think community is so important and how do you foster that community piece at Iconic? Yeah, I mean, look, we're all part of a community. The world is one massive community mm. and then we have these micro communities. Yeah without community it's very hard to learn it's very hard to build things around you without having some sense of a community um you know we've been in business we've been doing what we're doing we're at 10 years now Mm -hmm. um it's our 10th anniversary just march gone and you know we've kind of had this whole community thing going for 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 just about that amount of time our model our flex office model is all about bringing businesses different businesses different people different um people from different walks of life different business stages under one roof mm-hmm. um not only so that they can get their job done and they have a desk and a chair and all that kind of stuff but you know enhancing that again so that those businesses can either build collaborate themselves or use the resources around the building from other members Mm -hmm. other client companies to build to grow to learn Mm -hmm. you know so it's 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 massive and while we've been doing it for a decade now we're seeing particularly you know recently there's been a lot of large global organizations mandating the back to work 
you know, these organizations and, and a lot of smaller companies are seeing that while there is obviously a benefit to a hybrid model in, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases, that that physical collaboration and bringing people together is is so important and so key. Mm. Um, so we have a lot of people coming to us, not because they just need four walls and a desk and a, and a chair. They're looking for somewhere that is in enhancing and enticing enough to get their team together and inspiring enough that they're going to enjoy being there. Mm. And, you know, with the expertise and, and the facilities that we have within our, our company and what we offer our clients, we're able to not just give them the four walls of their desks and chairs, we're able to adapt that space to work with how they need their business to work. So mm. if you take communi- uh, community and collaboration, you know, turning that room into or that, that office or that floor, whatever it is, into a more collaborative space for them is something that we can do with ease. So, you know, being able to offer that generally to any size company within mm-hmm. our space is, is something that we're, we like I, to do. I guess like bringing it back to the human piece, but like we all just want to feel like we're part of something that is bigger than ourselves yeah and look I, I think remote work is great in lots of ways but I think it does you do find yourself disconnected at times so I think it's great that's why I think community is so important to to I suppose like you said foster that creativity or idea sharing or again just to have that human connection I think is is key and what what do you think to kind of like wrap things up um we were saying earlier, but I think it's a really interesting time to be in your industry, um, you know, particularly in the relation to the future of work. When you think about how much the work environment has changed since COVID, I mean, it's crazy. What do you think, What it? what is the co-working world? What's the role that you're playing, do you think, in the future of work or what are the trends that you're seeing or where do you think it's going? Because like you said, you know, companies like Zoom and they're all bringing people back into the offices now. What What do you think it looks like in the next five, 10 years? Or? I think the flexibility is key. Mm-hmm. And we've a lot of clients and companies that moved in after the pandemic into our spaces that would have only known, say, the traditional market where you would have taken like a 20, 30 yeah. year lease out on a space. And whether you grew within it or you, out, you, know, you outgrew it, didn't really matter. You were stuck to that. Mm. Because we're in this world of flexibility and a bit of the unknown, and there's probably maybe for a long time going to be this case of well, the what if, what if something disastrous happens because mm. that's happened, what that, that's what happened and none of us were really prepared. Mm. Um, I think that flexibility is, is, is going to be a massive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what we're able to do is in iconic offices, we're able to say to a company that might be global, that might have thousands of people globally, maybe a few hundred in Ireland, so take a smaller space with us now, rotate your desk, rotate the people mm-hmm. within the space. Mm-hmm. And if you feel you need more, then talk to us and we'll grow, we'll, we'll grow with you. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we've been doing that for 10 years. It's just more prevalent now that companies they're realizing hey actually that's that's exactly what we need that's the model that we need Mm. so i'm not saying that people won't still go for your your 20 year 30 year leases and 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 grow businesses within a whole building not saying that that's gone but i definitely think that this um 
I think people want to. There's a security around that flexibility. And finally, is there anything that you were excited about or you're working on for yourself or, you know, looking into the end of 2023 or 2024? What are you, um, yeah, what are you excited about? Personally, professionally? Um, Personally, I'm excited about just growing and just still, Mm -hmm. you know, learning. Every day is a school day. Um, I've not, I'm not finished. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited just to see what I've learned in the what I learn in the next six months mm-hmm. because if I look back at the last six months, I'm like, oh wow, I didn't know that six yeah, months ago, yeah, or I yeah, couldn't yeah. do that six months ago, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, both personally and professionally, I mean, I have a four year old, right? I'm learning all of the time with this little person, you know. So both both on on both levels, I think it's the learning piece for me. Nice. Um, well, listen, thank you. So this has been such a good chat. Um, I have learned a lot in this 60 minute conversation or however long it's been. Um, but congrats on everything you've done in your career so far and the very best to look in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yay.